Well, good morning. They let everybody in here, even the bears, and so they let me. So I, I feel at home. If the bears can come to Bethel, I can come. And uh, amen. It is good to be with you. And uh, it's good to be with you again. I was here a few years ago. Should I go down? You want me to come down? Okay. That worked. Perfect. That feels better. Um, it is good to be with you again, and uh, thanks for Pastor Dwayne and Chris and the team for having us. We just are so blessed to be here, and um, uh, a little bit, as Pastor Dwayne said, I'm from Edmonton, started a ministry in 2008 called Resurgence Initiatives, and we're just burdened by people, young adults, that were not encountering Holy Spirit, that there's a God that's real, that's alive, and people weren't encountering it, and they were leaving the church. And so, uh, burdened by that, and, and I read this um, book about revival, about in 1923 in Edmonton, people were so hungry for God that they broke the window just to get in. And, and they would leave the money for the window behind them and go, we wanted a seat. They said 13000 a night would come to Edmonton Gardens at the time, the place where the hockey team played in Edmonton. 13000 And C.S. Price would preach. And I remember reading that and going, my city doesn't look like that right now. It's not really happening in Edmonton like that. And so we just, we rented a theater in downtown Edmonton. We said, okay, let's invite Holy Spirit and let's invite people and see what happens. This lady comes, Hazel, she gets completely healed of leukemia, and, and then we go, okay, we got to do this again. God is moving. And so that was in 2008, and then since then, we start moving it from church to church. And so we've met, I think, 145 times in about 45 different churches, spanning about 14 denominations. And there's something that God has birthed in us, a unity movement, to bring together the body. And, and I believe that that's what he's doing in this season. In a season where there's been such disunity, there's a call for a unity movement. A people that are going, hey, we're one family, and, and we, need to, we need to see what God wants to do in Canada. It's Canada's time, amen? And so our, our ministry is to reach souls, to revive churches, and to release leaders. And uh, it's taken me up into the Arctic. We have a team uh, in Edmonton. We've launched a, a leadership team that's doing an incredible job of unifying the city and meeting with pastors and, and amazing things. And then in this season, um, uh, nine months ago, last time I was here a few years ago, was not married and going, God, where is she? And God answers prayer. And uh, this is my wife, Jess, over here. Can you wave? And um, we got married nine months ago, and about two months ago, uh, she got this incredible opportunity. She is a dentist, and so she has this opportunity to do a, a pediatric specialty in a place we never heard of. She get this call, and, and what do you do? Is it God? Is it you? Is it, is it how, how do we know what you're saying? Is it, is it the enemy? How, how do we know? And we just, we prayed about it. We, we drove down to Yakima, Washington. I don't, anyone know where Yakima, Washington is? I've never even heard about it before. And so she gets this opportunity, one of three people, to do this two-year program there. And so we drove there, and it's, it's just off the Yakima First Nations Reserve. Uh, it's a real tough place. And we, we talked to the people, and we just came back, and I didn't have a piece saying no. And I said, we got to do this. And she goes, well, you can't leave what you're called to do and, and all this. So for, for, so for two years, we're moving down there, and I'm commuting back and leading the ministry here in Canada. And we know that God is expanding us in this season. And he's, and he's continuing to do some incredible things. And so we moved July or June 22nd to Yakima. 
and, um, but yet we'll be back in Alberta quite a bit, in Canada, and just believe that God's doing something with expansion. And so if you want to know more about our ministry, you can, you can check us out. You can partner with us. We, we are totally financed by people giving monthly to our ministry. And so everywhere I go, I talk about an opportunity because we're in need of partners. We're in need of people that would say, hey, we want to financially get behind you to reach people in Canada and beyond. And so maybe God would put that on your heart and say, hey, I need to pray for that ministry. I want to support monthly. There's ways you can go to our website and just go donate and, and give monthly. That would be such a blessing because we're praying for people that would say, hey, we're in. We're with you in this season. And coming out of COVID, we, we're expanding, which is crazy. And so this is a season of faith. And so we're stepping in faith. And everywhere we go, I talk about that. And um, yeah, that's that. Well, I, um, I, I shared this last night, but I want to preach from the reality that anything is possible. We know that Holy Spirit is in this place today. Whether you're watching online or you're here, God's brought you here for such a purpose. And I had something in my heart I was going to share, and I felt like he switched it on me. And I know that he, he's speaking this morning. And just love the worship. Thank you, guys. Just such anointed worship. And uh, just so appreciate the spirit that's in here. It's a rich place. It's a warm place. You can feel the presence of God in here. And... Um, his presence is in here. And here's where I want to go. I want to talk about one of the names of God today. One of the names of God. In studying the names of God, we see his God, his name is like a strong tower, Scripture says. That God's name stands for the manifestation of his presence and revelation of who he is. In, in Jewish tradition, the name um, that we see actually um, means much more than names that we see today. They believe that in Jewish tradition that a name transforms your identity, that, that, it, that it speaks to who they are. That's why we see in the Old Testament a lot of people are named after things they've done. You know, um, Samuel, as we spoke, I spoke about last night, was God who heard. So Hannah named him. God heard my prayers. There was significance to names. You know, Psalm 910 says, those that know thy name will put their trust in thee. See, the better God is known, the more we can trust him. And when we know who he is better, we can trust him better. And it's so important that we know who he is. See, knowledge that touches your mind will give you knowledge. But revelation that touches your heart will change your life. And when we understand who he is, it allows us, it, it allows us to change our lives. When you know who God is, it, it, it allows us to know who we are and whose we are. And when we know that, it changes how we posture ourselves, how we carry out our daily acts, how, how, we, how we treat people, how we, how we love ourselves, all of that, because we know whose we are. And, and it's so key. And so um, in the Bible, God reveals himself at one point as, I'm the God of Isaac, Abraham, and, and Jacob. I'm the God that moves through three generations. You know, sometimes I read that and I'm like, oh, he's the, he's the God of three people. <laughs> You know, Isaac, Abraham, what about, is he the God of me? No, what God's saying is, I'm not the God of three people, but I'm the God of legacy. I'm the God that moves through generations. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God of you too. I'm the God about legacy. See, when we understand the depth of the, what the Word says about names, then we understand how it impacts us. You know, in scriptures, is El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, El Elon, Elan, the Most High God, Adonai, Lord Master, Yahweh, Lord Jehovah, 
the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi, um, Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. You know, we can go on and on. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. I encourage you, if, if you maybe haven't heard some of those, go and do a research and start researching those names. It'll give you such a revelation of who God is and how he revealed those names. And, but today, I, I want to zero in on Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. The Lord that heals. Malachi, or the Italian prophet Malachi, in 4.2 says, But to you who fear or revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. One version says, Or frolic with joy like calves. Some farmers in here probably know what, how calves frolic. Uh, but I don't know about you, but when we know the name of the Lord, when we revere the name of the Lord, we can frolic. We can have joy. We, we, there, there is joy that can come in our hearts. And so when we know his name, and so if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to Exodus 15. And if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. And um, Exodus 15, starting at, at verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah because they were bitter. Everybody say bitter. For that reason, it was named Merah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what are we to drink then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. He threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute, a regulation. And there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and listen to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians. He's talking about um, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh story. Oh, baby, let the people go. You know that whole story like that? That's what he's talking about. Because they had all those, all the um, curses or all the um, uh, things that they put on, the plagues. And so he's saying, okay, I'm not gonna, that's not going to happen to you, but you need to follow God. And, um, and so and, and he says this, for I, the Lord, am your healer. That's what God said. So God delivered the Israelites. He, he got them out. They crossed the Red Sea, and three days in, they find out they don't have any water. Someone forgot to pack the Dasani. I don't know. They're like, who forgot the water? Like, we had the water there ready to go. All the bottles of water were ready to go, and you didn't bring them. I, I don't know what the problem was, but someone forgot the Dasani. They're like, we're out of water. And, and they, they're desperate. They grumble. They complain. They come to a river, but then they can't drink the river. It's like, we've come to a river, but it's bitter. We can't drink this river. So they ask Moses. He asks God. God says, throw a tree into the river, and all of a sudden the river becomes sweet. Then God says, follow me, and I'll be the Lord that heals you. This is the first time we see God revealing himself, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah suggests to become, or specifically to become known. This denotes that God reveals himself unceasingly. See, Rapha, Rapha, means to restore, to heal, to, to make healthful in the Hebrew. I don't know about you, does anyone need to be healthful today? We need healthful, healthful in our mind, healthful in our heart, healthful in our body. 
See, when the, when the two words are combined, Jehovah Rapha, it translates to the Lord who heals. Jehovah who heals. See, he doesn't just heal water. He heals people. The healing of waters is a demonstration of God's power and, and demonstrates that, that any impurity that it can overcome, any contamination, any, any thing that corruption, that, 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 that God's power can overcome all of that. This power was going to work on behalf of the Israelites. And um, there's one thing to be someone that performs something, but here's, here's the, the cool thing about this. This is the Lord who heals is who he is. It's his identity. It's not what he performs. It's not like a skill he can do. It's not like a special power he has, but he is the Lord who heals. That's who he is. That's a whole different ball game because he, that's who he is. That's his character. And so when, when we understand that, it changed things. And um, when we see, you know, in the Old Testament, we see 67 more times in the Old Testament a revelation of a God who heals. We see healing of sickness and infirmity in Psalm 41.3. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. We see healing from mental affliction. Jonah Verse, chapter 2, verse 5 and 7. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up from my life, from the pit. And when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That, that, that when there's depression and anxiety and mental affliction, Jonah proclaim this you know when we see healing from spiritual fatigue maybe you're tired today psalm 23 verse 3 he restores my soul <sighs> thank you lord we see healing from emotional suffering you know seasons of grief and loss psalm 147 verse 3 he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds we see healing from anxiety and worry, Psalm 94, 19. And when I was burdened with worries, David said, you comforted me and made me feel secure. Oh, thank you, Lord, that we're secure. When I'm worried, you've comforted me, God. You make me feel secure. Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who's healed. It is revealed again now in the New Testament, we see it. The prophet Isaiah foreshadowed the ministry of healing that Jesus would bring. And in Matthew 8, 17, we see this confirmation where Matthew says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. See, Jesus arrives, and in Mark 2, 17, we see he comes as the great physician to heal the sick, to forgive the sinner. And um, if you could turn with me to Mark chapter 5, we find this story where God's touching his people. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, we read this. A large crowd followed and pressed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered, And yet you can ask, Who touched me? 
But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, her hunger pushed her to touch the hem of Jesus. She had been dealing with a a bleeding issue for 12 years. No other remedy would work, and yet in this story, she's completely healed. And I think there's four things I just want to bring out quickly from the story. Number one is she heard that Jesus was in town. She heard, see, something stirred in her heart to, to believe that Jesus could heal her. Something stirred in her to believe. I'm not sure why, but she heard Jesus was in town, and she went there. And, and I've shared this story at Moose Lake Camp, so if you've heard me speak at Moose Lake, you've heard this story. But I, I feel to share it again today, and I think I share it every time I'm in this part of the province. Because um, uh, my grandparents immigrated from Poland in 1930s, and they were on a train. They came all the way out, and they ended up in Vilna, Alberta, not too far from here. Anyone from Vilna? Okay, we got some Vilna people. And so they came to Vilna, and um, they were given uh, a bunch of land and said, hey, if you can pick the rocks and clear the brush, you got it. It's yours. And so they did that. They worked hard. They were, they were from Poland. They were good, good Catholic Polish people, came over. But they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They knew about God. They knew, you know, it was a, more of a cultural thing at that for them, but it wasn't a personal thing. And, and they just didn't know him as their Lord and Savior. They didn't have that relationship. They, were, they had uh, seven kids. And so, um, you know, all was going well. And at 40 years old, my grandmother got really sick. And she got on a train to Edmonton. And they took her to Edmonton. The doctor said, you're not well. You need to go back. There's nothing we can do for you. Have the priest ready to come do the last rites. Like, it, it's, it's, it's over for you. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. So she went home and she laid in bed. There was nothing. My grandfather was out. He was distraught, didn't know what to do. The neighbor comes over and says, hey, I I don't know, but here, you know, and maybe he, I wonder what the neighbor was thinking and saying this, but the neighbor said, hey, um, you know, there's, there's a guy that's come to the Pentecostal church in Vilna, and he's an evangelist, and he's been praying for sick people. And I, I, know, I know you don't go to the Pentecostal church. I know you don't really believe, but hey, would you come with me? And, and my grandfather goes, you know what? My, my wife can't leave her bed. She won't be able to come. He goes, no, no, you just come. So my grandfather went, desperate, wanting, to, wanting some breakthrough, didn't know. Well, this guy is saying we could pray. So he goes to the Pentecostal church. The evangelist prays for my grandmother. My grandfather goes home. And when he gets home, my grandmother's sitting up on her bed, brushing her daughter's hair, completely healed, completely healed. So much so that she lived another uh, 57 years and died of old age at 97 years old. Her, the, the family found Jesus because of this, because there's a God who heals. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Uh, It's part of my story of faith because my dad was a Christian because of this moment. Because of what happened in their family because God healed and he said, okay, I want that in my life. And they start going to the Pentecostal church. And, and that's what happens. You know, um, this last December I was in, uh, asked to go to Loon Lake, 
Loon Lake's not too far, kind of just into Saskatchewan, and we were there, and we did some youth meetings in the youth hall because we want to go where kids are, and there's a lot of suicide in certain communities right now, and so we're there, and we're in this community center, and we, we hold a service, and you know, 30, 30 kids are all around, and I think about 18 put their hand up for the first time to accept Jesus into their life. For the first time, and this one 11-year-old girl comes over and she's got cuts all down her arm. And we got to pray with her and say, God wants to set you free. He wants to heal. He goes, she goes, I heard you guys were here tonight. And I just felt to come. And I said, there's hope. Don't give up. Don't give up. See, so there was something about this in the story we see, you know. She heard that, that there was Jesus was in town. Number two, she spoke to herself. She spoke to herself. Do you ever talk to yourself? You know, maybe, maybe you're driving in the car and now it's easy with like AirPods or the Bluetooth thing. Now we think it's normal, but you look over and somebody's, you're like, what are they doing? They're weird. They're talking to themselves. Now we just think, matter of fact, oh, they're on their Bluetooth. That's what they're doing. They're talking to someone on the phone. But do you ever talk to yourself? In this story, she talks to herself. Um, when I married my wife, Jess, she has a dog. I'm not a dog person. I don't like dogs. I never like dogs. A dog bit me when I was 11, and I'm like, stay away, Satan, you know? Um, like, get behind, you know, get behind me, you know? I'm not, I'm not into dogs. And so I start dating her, and all of a sudden, um, she goes, oh, I have a dog. I'm like, oh, dear. Lord, help me. But I prayed for you, but I didn't pray for a dog, you know? And, and so, I mean, side story. So I go... I have to tell you the story. So some of you will laugh at me and make fun of me. So we, we date for a few, few times we're dating. And the dog doesn't, she goes, oh, it's a little dog. Okay, great. So I just ignore it. We, we start going out, like, okay. But then there's a time where I need to meet her parents. And I forgot about all the, do the dog because I never met her dog. And I'm like, okay. So then I go to meet her parents. And, you know, it's maybe a month in and it's going really well. And I'm excited. I'm nervous. Like, what do you bring to the, you meet the parents for the first time? Like, do you bring, like, flowers? Do you bring, what do you wear? You don't want to be too, like, formal because, like, you don't want to be awkward. But you also want to look nice. And so they don't go, you're a bum. Don't date her daughter, you know what I mean, you're like, you're figuring it out, you're stressing out, there's like sweat, I'm getting there, I'm like walking up the house, I'm like, oh, okay, breathe, 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 nervous, like I'm nervous, and I know she's great, so I'm sure her parents are great, I'm sure it's going to go good, but yet you've got the, all those thoughts, and as I round the corner to her house, I'm like, I just froze, I was like, I froze, and then her, her parents have two other vicious dogs, dash hounds, and, um, and, and so the, there's these three little dogs, and so I, they opened the door. I don't think I even said hello to them. Three dogs came at me, and I was just stressed. And, and so I get in the door. I finally say hello. I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Oh, you have a nice house. You know, those kind of things. You're like, good to meet you, and all this. And so as I walk in, about 45 seconds in, her dad goes, oh, you should pick up Jess's dog. Honey, you should pick her up. And she's, she's vicious, you know, she's, she's 14 pounds, vicious uh, Pomeranian slash Maltipoo, so vicious dog. Um, and, and so I go, and I go to pick her up. But, you know, you ever seen those, like, in Lion King where they hold Simba up, and it's, like, really majestic, and Simba looks out over the king kingdom? This was not that. Do you ever see those people that hold babies up, and they're the most awkward, they've never held a baby before? That was me. So I'm holding, honey, I'm like, they're like, you don't know how to hold a dog. I'm like, no. 
It was so embarrassing. They all made fun of me, and that was my first experience. And so here's the thing. Now I get married. Now I have a dog in my house. And what's funny is honey will follow me. So if I'm preparing for a sermon, honey follows and I know if, it's a, if I'm practicing or I'm like, hey, I feel like as I'm preparing for a sermon, I start preaching, all of a sudden, honey, if it's really anointed, she'll go hide under the bed because she gets kind of scared because I start yelling. And I know, oh, i got to preach that. That's a good message. And so, so I find myself talking to a dog. And I think of this in this story because she's talking to herself. And the woman did this because... No one else might have believed her. See, she had spent all she had on doctors. She had spent all she had. She was desperate. Nothing else was working. See, desperation caused a faith to arise in her. She spoke to herself, to her circumstance. The Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And there's something that sometimes we need to speak. See, faith takes what you see in the unseen and forces it into the natural. I don't see it in the natural, but I speak it. I, I call it forth. Romans 10.10 says, For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. <laughs> the Greek word saved actually means to be free from every attack of the enemy. Every molestation of the enemy. Freedom from sickness. Freedom from So for it is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you will confess and are saved, set free, free from every attack of the enemy. Isn't that incredible? See, you need to speak to everything that seems dead in your life. If there's stuff that seems dead right now, start to declare life over it. Start to declare hope over it. Start to declare God's peace and love and joy over it. Say, I, it doesn't seem alive, but I speak life over that situation. That marriage, I speak life over. That prodigal, I speak life over. That business that seems dead, I speak life over. I just call forth what's dead, what doesn't seem, because there's a God that all things are possible. Amen? There's a God that all things are possible to those that believe. That, that's our that's our gospel. That's what we believe. See, do you see what I see? Do you see Jehovah Rapha over your circumstance, over your mountain, over your storm? There's a Lord that heals. There's a Lord that heals. I'm your victory. I'm your breakthrough, God says today. It may seem hopeless, but it's time to declare what he says over our circumstance. And the third thing in the story is she touched Jesus' hem. There was a lot of crowds of people. They were all touching him. But somehow she touched him. There, there was something different. Um, I don't think Jesus was like, no touchy. Don't, don't touch, can't touch us. I don't think he was doing that. There was all these people around. And, and, it's, and, and, and touch in the Greek means to take hold of. I think there was this, I'm not leaving till I'm receiving attitude in her. I'm not just coming to do a service. I'm not just coming to hang out. I'm not just coming for a social club. But I'm not leaving until I had an encounter with Jesus. I think if that would be our posture in church on a Sunday and, and Friday, Saturday night, whatever we find ourselves when, in our own prayer room at home and say, Jesus, I need you today in the, in the cab of our truck. Jesus, I need you today and I'm not getting out of this truck until I, I feel your peace, your presence today. When I go into that meeting, I need your presence. When I go into that field and, 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 and plant crops, I need your presence today. I need your presence in my coming and my going. I need your presence wherever I go. But there needs to be a hunger. See, she had such a hunger. We live in a day where we want to feel. We, we want to get before we believe. 
And if we get it right, we might believe. But we're not called to be feelers, but believers. <laughs> it's not called to feel first and then believe, but what if we believed first? Said, God, it might not look like it outside, it might be cloudy, but I declare sun. I declare that the sun will rise in my life, that God's going to do a good work. He who started it is faithful to see it to the end. See, many people want to receive before they believe, but God says start believing and then you'll start receiving. See, she reached Jesus. She engaged her faith. She didn't ask for a moment with Jesus. She, she didn't say, hi, I'm Margaret. Um, can I have an appointment with you later? Um, could, could you look at your daytimer, Jesus? I'd like to like, like, um, like FaceTime you later. No. She goes, I'm here, and she grabbed hold of it. There was something where she touched Jesus. She doesn't even get his attention. She didn't even really touch him. She touched something that was touching him, his hem of his garment. She didn't even touch. See, there was a face. She got healed by the fabric on his cloak. And the, and the last thing we see in the story is she felt healing come in and sickness go out. Verse 28. A few weeks ago, um, actually in early, late January, uh, we were in Calgary and we were doing these, we do these spirit-led weekends where we take a church through intro to Holy Spirit. What is Holy Spirit all about? And we're in this church, Journey Church. And... Um, and one of the nights we were praying for the sick and, and got home a few days later and Carlos sent me this email, a guy there. He goes, I'm writing to confirm my healing. The sore is gone even, even a month after a month of intense pain. Saturday night when you were giving words of knowledge to everyone, I was coming from the washroom and I heard you say a sciatic back problem is being healed. I asked Pastor Dave, what did he just say? Pastor Dave told me, I said, it was for me. We prayed together, claiming my healing, and Jesus did it. To Jesus be all the glory. God is a God that heals. And after 12 years of no progress, she gets healed. She gets completely healed. She got touched. See, Jehovah Rapha can set you free immediately. You know, I think, you know, what do you mean, who touched you? When Jesus goes, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? Like, what do you mean? Disciples are like, there's people everywhere touching you, Jesus. Like, what do you mean who touched you? That's weird. And, but Jesus knew. Not only did the woman, the woman touch Jesus, but her faith touched him. Her faith touched him. There was something that happened. She had to admit she was the one. When Jesus said, who touched me? That wasn't easy. It takes courage to stand. She already knew she was whole. She knew in her body the bleeding had stopped. She knew something happened. See, that's the God we serve. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's in this place. We sang it this morning. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. Jehovah Rapha. He wants to heal hearts today. He wants to heal bodies today. He wants to heal minds today. Um, Jehovah, he, Jesus healed everyone who came in contact with the devil um, that was oppressed with the devil, period. When it was sickness, whether it was demons, whatever, he healed them. Jesus never said, I, I'd like to heal you, but the Father is using this to make you a better person. Sorry. That, that's not in Scripture. There, there is a time for things, and as I look at the Father, he isn't wanting to heal. That's not the God that we see in Scripture. He doesn't say those things. What type of father, if he knew the remedy for his son, would deny him so his son could become a better person? That's, that's not who we and have suffering. 
We're called to be people of faith. It says repeatedly in the word, disciples went out healing all with sickness and disease. Not some, but not only certain ones. God has given us authority. And this morning, God wants to heal. I think of a few years ago, I was in Calgary, and um, I was preaching at a, at a youth conference, and it was for an Ethiopian church in Calgary, and we're there, and it was incredible, uh, three nights. And, and on one of the nights, I, um, you know, it was the third night, I think it was, and I was preaching, and I just felt this overwhelming sense that God wanted to heal people. God wants to heal people tonight. And so I had this, like, this picture in my mind that somebody was in an automobile accident and there was pain on the right side of their body and God wanted to heal. And so I got up and I said, God wants to heal someone tonight. You've been in an automobile accident and there's pain on the right side of your body. And it was crickets, silence, nothing. And it was like, okay. So I waited, I waited. Everyone's kind of like, this is getting awkward. I'm like, there's someone here. And I could see the person. Like, you can kind of see the person look at you and then look away and look at you, and I'm like, I bet you that's a person. But I also didn't want to call her out publicly if she wasn't wanting to admit it. But, I mean, it could tell, like, something was going on with this one person. But she didn't respond, didn't respond. So all of a sudden, there's a guy that I wasn't really thinking it was a guy as at the back of the room, and he puts his hand up. He says, yeah, I got pain on the right side of my body, but it wasn't an automobile accident. I'm like, okay, well, Jesus wants to heal you, and so... I start to pray for him, and I can see something's happened. So I said, hey, could you come to the front? So he comes to the front, and he's standing there, and he said, um, I said, uh, you know, what, ha what happened, you know? What happened? He goes, well, I was walking on the sidewalk, and it was February in Calgary, and he goes, I slipped on ice, and I hurt my back, and the, le the right side of my body has been in, like, pain, like, 9 out of 10. Like, I can barely walk. It's just brutal. And I said, okay, so, like, you, you come here, and, like, you're a regular? He goes, no, man, I just walked in off the street tonight. I said, how did you hear about it? He goes, I don't know. I came in to warm up, and then I sat down, and then you called me out with pain. I said, okay, well, do you know that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life? And he goes, I, I didn't know that. And so I pray for him. I pray healing. All of a sudden, he gets completely healed. And I mean, you can see it in his eyes. He's like, what the heck is going on? He's freaking out. And so I said, Jesus wants to come and be the Lord of your life. So in that moment, he got completely healed and he gave his life to Jesus. It was, it was incredible. And then he's having this vision of Jesus. And he almost falls over. So I said, hey, just sit down on the front row. Just, just have a moment. Like he was having a moment. He goes, I see this vision of Jesus. I'm like, hey, man, just have a seat. Like just, just stay in that moment and, and take this, you know. This is incredible. We went back into worship. And, and, and it was amazing. And so left there excited. At the end of the night, the lady that was in an automobile accident came and said, that was me. I was in a car accident last week, and I had pain on my right side, but I was too scared. And so we prayed for her. And, and then uh, four days later, I got on a plane, and I went to this small community in Kimmerut, which is in uh, Baffin Island um, by Callowit up, up north. Um, in, in the Arctic part of Canada, and so we're in February in Kimroot. It's a town of 450 people. We land there. We stay in at the co-op. Above the co-op, they have accommodations, and we, we got to speak in the school about suicide and how to end suicide, and God has a plan and the choices we make, and then we said, hey, we're going to be at the Anglican church tonight. It was like a church that was built in like 1920 or something. We're going to be at that small little church. They've given us a church, and so come. So about 45 people out of a town of 450 come into this little church. 
And so we had a guy doing some worship, but when you're, when you're there, there's no PowerPoint. I mean, it was more like a concert. Nobody knew the worship song, so you do it. And then, you know, kids are going in and out to smoke, and there's kids with the play center at the front hitting on the bell, ding, ding, ding. Like, it is like the most distracting place to preach. You're like, this is like chaos. And so then I get up, and I'm like, there's a God who sees you. There's a Holy Spirit is here. And, and it's hard to keep everyone's attention at the end of it, I say God wants to heal, but God, first of all, wants to heal your heart. He wants to invite, he want, you, you can invite him into your life tonight. And in that room, I think it was 21 hands went up for the first time to say yes to Jesus, to say, I want you into my life to be the savior of my life. See, that's the greatest healing. That's the greatest miracle that can ever happen, that when we give our heart to Jesus, and then I said, hey, God wants to heal tonight. And so I told the story of Calgary. I said, just a few nights ago, I was in Calgary, and this guy, I just, what I just told you, I told that story. And as I'm telling that story, I said, yeah, there was a guy in, in the far corner of the place that he, he came up and he got healed. And as I'm telling it, this guy puts his hand up in the far corner of the place. I said, no, not you. I'm like, it's the, the guy in Calgary. And he goes, no, me. And I'm like, no, no, not you, and put your hand down. So he puts his hand down, and then I said, okay, is there anyone here that needs healing? So that same guy puts his hand up again. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know if he's not getting it. I, I mean, I wasn't talking about him. I was talking about the guy in Calgary. Like, it's like, okay. But he goes, no, I need healing. I said, oh, okay, what's your name? He goes, Robert. I said, what happened? He goes, my hand is hurt. I can't open it, and I can't move my arm because I fell it in the gym playing volleyball. And everybody, everybody there knew it. You can tell. They all knew who he was. It's a small community, and they saw him fall at volleyball, and he can't move his arm. And so I said, well, we want to pray for you, Robert. And so as we pray, all of a sudden he starts going like this, and he's moving his arm. And at that moment, all of a sudden, everyone just got out of their seat, and everyone's like, can I get prayer? Can I get prayer? And we had the whole, like, the whole room. We're praying for everybody there. Why? Because, because Jesus healed him, and, and they go, oh, Jesus wants to heal me too. Jehovah Rapha's for me too. The next, the next day we leave, we're, we're going out in a small little airport. There's a one-room airport. We get in there, and the guy goes, were you the guys at the church last night? I'm like, maybe. You know, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Am I going to be stuck here? You know, like, maybe. He goes, because my uh, six-year-old daughter was there last night. I said, okay. She's never slept the full night through in her entire life but there was such a peace on her. I don't know what you did, but keep doing what you're doing. See, there's a God that's real. There's a God that moves. There's Jehovah Rapha that wants to, to move in, in our lives and in our hearts. And, and, um, and see, when we talk about healing, there's a lot of questions that arise. And uh, I, I prayed for someone maybe, and, and they never got healed. And your, your theology, your understanding of God must be founded, I believe, 100% on the Word of God. It's what the Word says. And uh, do we let our experience change our theology or do we surrender our need to know to Him and just do what He's called us to do? See, we can somehow change the commission He's given us to do. Well, it didn't work, so I'm not going to do it. That's not what He called us to do. I don't know all the questions. I don't know all the answers. The reality is he commanded me to preach the gospel to those who believe, those who are baptized, cast out demons, and heal the sick. No matter our personal experience, our theology needs to be founded on him, on what the word says, the Lord that heals. He is Jehovah Rapha. I don't change my view of his identity based on my experience. 
I press in until his identity becomes my reality. And it's so easy to go, okay, well, and I've had people, I've had people close to me die where I've prayed for years and said, I, I want them healed. I don't know. That'll be a question I haven't. But it doesn't change my tenacity. It doesn't change my fervor. It doesn't change my passion to go after what the Word says. Because I want to see Canada healed. I want to see St. Paul healed. I want to see people all around me be completely healed. And I'm going to preach it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go after it. And, and I think that's our posture has to be. Our posture has to be, and, and there's things. See, Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of a boat in a life-threatening storm. He was living in a room of kingdom reality. There was a peace. He was living in a room called peace. And when he woke up, he just released peace and the storm ended. See, um, he, when he woke him up, he released peace. Why? Because he had peace to give. We know that because he was sleeping in a storm. You can only give away what you have. And um, Jehovah Rapha, can he give sickness? <laughs> Is the reason I'm sick because God gave it to me? Not possible. God's not sick. Thus, he can't give it away. You, you can't give cancer if you don't have cancer. God doesn't have cancer, so he can't give you cancer. Um, in the Garden of Eden, Satan got hold of the vision of a man to look at the wrong tree, to be tempted that the solution of life was found in the forbidden tree and, and taste of that fruit. Adam and Eve sinned and brought sickness and disease, separation into the world. See, Jehovah Rapha is revealed um, as a name in the Old Testament. We read that in Exodus as an identity of God. And, and why was it re revealed? Why? Because Moses put that tree into the bitter water. Put that tree, God says, pick up the tree, stick it into the water, and the water will become fresh and sweet. The Israelites cleansed in that water. But then in the New Testament, God sends his one and only son, Jesus, the great physician. The Bible says that he is the true vine that comes. He heals everyone. But then we see him go to a cross. What was a cross? A tree stripped of bark. A tree that was cut. A tree that was there. And, and he goes to the cross. A tree stripped of bark. And by the death on the cross, God, Jehovah Rapha, takes a tree and puts it into waters that are bitter. Waters that have offense. Waters of sin. Waters of death. Waters of anxiety. Waters of pain. Waters of hopelessness. And through the cross, we can believe in him. Through the cross, we can be healed. It's through the cross where that, 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 that tree was put into the water of life. See, Jesus was put into our world, into the waters that seem hopeless and hard and impossible to the sickness to bring life to them. That, that's the reality of the gospel. Isn't that imagery incredible? That in the Old Testament, the tree was put into that water, but in the New Testament, Jesus came on that tree and he came into the water of, of our, our world, our world that has sin and, and so much junk isn't that amazing? See, Jesus can forgive bitterness, offense, sin, because he became sin on the tree of Calvary. Um, and I'm going to close soon, and I want to ask if the worship team can come, if that's okay. And um, You know, there is a correlation I have found between unforgiveness and things in our heart and things in our body. That if we don't deal with the things that are in our heart, if we don't get healing in our heart, it can affect us physically. A number of years ago, I was speaking at a youth camp in, in Manitoba, Manhattan Beach uh, family camp, Pentecostal camp in, in Winnipeg or just south of Winnipeg. 
And as I was there, there was a girl that came to me and said, we're going to pray for the sick. And she comes and goes, I was in a car accident, but I have a lot of pain in my neck and all this pain. And I said, God wants to heal you. And as I started to pray for her, all of a sudden I felt God say, ask her if there's anyone she needs to forgive. And I said, there's someone you need to forgive. And she goes, yep, but I'll never forgive him. And I said, okay, I, I, I really think you need to forgive. I can pray for you, but there's something that you need to forgive. She goes, I'm not going to forgive my dad. He committed suicide when I was 13, and he left me. And I blame him, and I will never be able to forgive him. <laughs> and I said, then she's crying, and I said, listen, but God wants, wants, wants to come into your heart and allow you to forgive. You can't forgive. And I explained forgiveness is not about us, but it's about through the cross you're able to forgive. And she goes, I could never do that. So she sat down. She never got her healing that night. She was still in pain. Three nights later at this camp, she comes to the front. And she's just got tears streaming down her face. And she says, I'm ready to forgive. And as I prayed for forgiveness for her, I just, she just, we prayed through her dad. We prayed through that. We didn't pray for healing. We didn't pray that Jesus would take the pain away. And at the end of it, I go, okay, now let's pray for healing. And she goes, it's gone. I don't, I, I, it's gone. See, she released what was in her heart. See, the issues of the heart, Proverbs 4.23 talks about the heart. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Because issues of life flow from the heart. And, and, I, and as I prayed for us today, you know, I, I was thinking of these verses, you know. Um, we think of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who never changes. If you need to forgive, um, forgive. Then declare, you know, Matthew 18, 19 says, My sins are forgiven and by his stripes I'm healed. First Peter 2.24 says, He who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree that we have, having died to sins, might live for righteous by those stripes you were healed. James 5 says, Is any one among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another, that you may be healed. We didn't believe that healing stopped 2,000 years ago, but today in St. Paul at Bethel, Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, wants to heal. He wants to set you free. He wants to come, and, and you're watching online. He wants to heal you today. See, Moses grabbed a tree and touched the water of bitterness, but in, in the New Testament, the cross of Jesus Christ is that tree. He died on a cross for the sick, for the anxious, for the oppressed. And I believe that God has called us not just to be people that receive healing, but people that minister healing too. People that carry healing everywhere we go that say, hey, there's someone sick on the job site. Hey, can we pray for them? Hey, maybe God would ask you to go, hey, pray for somebody that's sick that comes. You got a headache today? Let me pray for you. Because I know a God, Jehovah Rapha, who wants to reveal himself to you, and he wants to heal you. See, you know, we, we, we can, um, God wants this place to be a place of healing. But listen, the church isn't about four walls. The church isn't about a building. It's about a people. He's called us as the church to be outside too. There are people in St. Paul that don't know Jesus that need healing. I don't think there's ever been a time that I've lived that we need healing like we need healing in this season. The amount of mental illness, oppression, depression, every kind of thing is hitting everyone around us. 
there's so much healing. And, and, as I, and as I prayed today, I, I just remember, you know, he created us in his image. He's the same God who can restore us to his image he created. Whatever the pain, whatever the sickness, whatever the divide, whatever the gulf between you and him, the tree called the cross eliminates that divide. That's the power of the gospel. See, the woman never touched Jesus. She touched something that was touching him. There are people that we may never touch, that may never touch Jesus, but they're touching you. They're touching you. And do you know who you are? Do you know the Jehovah Rapha that we carry in our hearts? Do you know the reality of who he is in you? Because when you understand that, you realize as they touch you, they could be healed. That's the reality. And um, I just want us to um, close our eyes, bow our heads in this place.